This is the Canucks Central postgame show. JT Miller hooks it to center. He's got a breakaway. Miller, shorthanded, scores! Lumberyard in the Vancouver zone. Sticks discarded all over the place. Now Lars Eller down the middle, scores! Nice set up by Latang off the right wing wall and Eller off the bench driving the middle, fires it up high past Demko to tie the game at three. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. Eric Carlson left point, drops near side for Riley Smith to the goal, passes right side, what a save by Demko and Eller, rebound they score! Eric Carlson wins it for the Penguins on the second opportunity in the slot. And Pittsburgh comes from behind after trailing three to two after two to beat the Canucks four to three in overtime tonight at Rogers Arena. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose 4-3 in overtime against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Big Nazar going to bring in Randy Janda into the conversation in just a moment. You can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. You can also hit us up on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. And the Canucks, well... They outplayed the Penguins for most of this night, I thought, and they had a lead heading into the third period, but their power play, they scored on the first one. They got things going a little bit, right? Looks like, hey, you know what? Uh, they're, they're getting cooking. They got a goal. But, man, at the start of the second, the power play kind of sucked the life out of the game. The third period, they get a power play, sucks the life out of the game. And then the Penguins come back and tie it. And the Canucks didn't really generate much of anything up until overtime where they had a couple of chances. But it, it's an opportunity lost in a game where they, they probably should have won considering – how handily they outplay their their opponent. Yeah, three of the four lines were, you know, winning their battles. If yeah. you look at the Lindholm, Banson, Garland line, they had their struggles tonight. I don't think five on five they had their best game. But outside of that, the other three lines, uh, they played really, really strong. And, you know, the power play, you get that first goal. You hope that can give you confidence. But that new configuration didn't really pick up momentum as the game went on sat uh, credit to pittsburgh as well they played a desperate game you could tell that they wanted to win this game even when they were down 3-2 you expect to push from a team that's fighting for their playoff lives they brought it and the canucks just weren't able to generate even though they had some good spells where offensive zone time was there the fourth line i thought had some moments where they were able to lean on the opposition kill some time off the clock but it's a, it's a, the name of the game is goals, and can you generate chances and ice the game? A, a great spot at the beginning of the third period where they had the power play, just couldn't generate anything, anything there. Yeah, by and large, it, it's this last little bit that they didn't close it out, right? We, we've talked about the Canucks with a third-period lead. They've been so good, and there have been moments when people have texted in and say, hey, are they too passive in the thirds? But tonight was like, there were opportunities, like the McKayev one yeah. on shorthanded. Could that have been a bit different? JT has a chance as well. Uh, the thing I'm frustrated by, too, is like they really ruined a great JT performance. They did. Yeah. I mean, I think it was overall a good team performance. Mm-hmm. Like, the first 40 minutes, the Penguins had next to nothing. They got a couple of goals and everything. They made it 2-2. JT scores to make it 3-2. And it's like, all right, the Canucks kind of got it back again. It felt strange that the Penguins won this hockey game. Because I think this, really ho- bizarre. this yeah. game gets played 10 times. How many times did the Penguins win this one? Maybe two times? Maybe. Maybe three? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Right? Now, Sidney Crosby was an absolute demon on the ice. I mean, I think one thing to make clear in this game is the Penguins aren't even in this if Sidney Crosby's not doing everything humanly possible. He was still the best player on the ice there for both teams. They're I missing thought. bodies. Yeah. Right? Like, no even in overtime, no O'Connor went to yeah. the room as well, yeah. right? Yeah. 
and 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 they claw and fight their way through on 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 the back of 87 and, and a couple other guys, but it, it was phenomenal. Yeah, the two Ricard Raquel goals, those are Sidney Crosby doing his thing, where he's just setting in. You know, Ricard Raquel does some good job, a uh, good job on the second goal, if I'm not mistaken, where Bluger. You know, the, the puck pops off his stick, goes into the middle of the ice, but the pressure is brought by Ricard Raquel. That forces that decision. But overall, guys, even, you know, I mentioned it earlier on, you start looking at the individual lines five on five. To your point, Sat, Vancouver played better. You know, that fourth line, the way that they were able to tilt the rink, the shot attempts, if I'm not mistaken, I think at the end of the game I saw it was 16-2 when that line was on, on the ice five on five. They were early on in the game seeing some of that Sidney Crosby line as well so you know to have a game like this where you feel like you're in control you pick up one point but yeah that, that was a game where you look at that you know that that two goal lead you're saying you could probably have a little bit more mm -hmm. but also puck management yeah right a couple of moments where okay one guy loses an edge sure you you overskate a puck here the one in the corner that leads to the third goal is Adorov and Juleson could that have been handled yep. a bit faster two guys are uh, for checking, I get it, but there there were self-inflicted wounds again, and I imagine we'll hear SST again from Rick Tockett. Stupid stick penalties. Uh, I mean, the it, it broke up their own rhythm to to really get something going. Two penalties in the third period, and and, and I saw Myers. He's like he's looking at the official like incredulous. You just cross check the guy in the face. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what he's incredulous about. Like, yeah, is your argument that he skated into your stick? It's still a cross check to the face. Yeah, yeah. that's that gets called ten times out of ten. You can you can say Raquel maybe made a little bit more of it, but you still hit him in the face. You still hit him in the face. Crushed the stick literally hit him in the face. No, that, and, and Patterson was probably more disappointed himself because he's trying to do the I'll take the stick around yeah. the guy, but like there's elements of risk in that. Yeah, and then Besser, it's like well, it's the stick in the hands. Yep, in the midsection on Carlson, and, right? Yeah, so it, it's just three penalties that were completely avoidable, and then. Not that the Penguins capitalize on every single one. It just it breaks up your own rhythm. It's like here here goes the guys out to PK and, and that whole effort again. And it, when they were at their best, like in the first period, it's the fourth line that sets up for the goal on, on the Hoaglander one. And you know that's how you stack good shifts. Yep. And, and your team, you know, Rick Talk keeps mentioning like working for your teammates yeah. and that 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 flow never felt like a returned uh, certainly in the third period. And when you talk about those penalties, you know, sure they're called less in March, they're called less in April, but that importance of that sort of penalty it kills momentum to your point where you feel like you're building something maybe you're rolling three or four lines you're getting some you know some real momentum in a game some confidence in a game and that's why you got to keep skating and some of those the Pedersen one you're right it's unlucky but it's an offensive zone penalty those always hurt uh, the other ones when they're stick penalties means you're generally skating less, right? The Tyler Myers one is a different one. That's a cross check to the face. That's gonna yeah. that's gonna happen. The, the Brock Besser ones. That's that's just you know, you're not skating there, and you you get a little too um, too much on the midsection. So those hurt. But right now you got to start correcting that. You got to make sure that you don't have these later on in the year, guys, because in the playoffs in round one, doesn't matter who you're playing. You can play the LA Kings. You can play the Nashville Predators. The Seattle Kraken. I don't care who it is. Uh, teams will make you pay if you take penalties like that because that can kill your momentum within the game. Absolutely. And, the, I mean, they, it's losing a point tonight. The Canucks lost a point. They got a point out in, in overtime and everything. They got a point. But they lost a point. The thing that's positive is their overall 5-on-5 five five sure, game has yeah. been strong again. So if you look at their past six games now, the one dud in Seattle, of course, but this stretch, five of the last six, they've been, like, excellent five-on-five. Five. Like, I don't know what the actual scoring chance data was, but I would imagine it's two-to-one. 
and I'm not saying two chances to yeah. one, but I'm saying two to one in terms of the differential and chances. I think what maybe the Penguins had four or five, maybe six, and Sidney Crosby was embroiled in like four or five of them. I think all of them pretty much. So the Canucks were the better team five on five. You know, the JT Miller was an absolute horse again. Is there a concern about them now getting into this trend though, where they've lost leads in the third period? They were excellent. Now they've lost two and they lost in regulation. They've lost a few in overtime now. They're not nearly as effective with the lead in the third period. I think one area that I would look at is, are you giving up the middle of the ice more now compared to before? And I, I feels like they are a little bit where you're, maybe whether it's goal mouth uh, scrambles in the blue paint, uh, that area. Um, that's an area that, remember, when they were locked in, when they were mm-hmm. you know winning those games and we were talking about that crazy streak that they had, it felt like it was just comfortable for a lot of those games where, the middle of the ice, the neutral zone, you know, defending skating forward is something that we've heard from Rick Tockett, that they were suffocating, and it felt like in the first period, that's how they were playing. We're not seeing that maybe to the same degree that we saw it earlier on in the year, where essentially you're you're making it a, a lot more difficult to move up ice uh, for the opposition. So that's one area that I look at to say, okay, you know, they have had their moments, but when they're leading, do they have that same do they have that same stickiness, so to speak, in the neutral zone? I will say the Eller goal, though. It's some bad luck that Noah Jolson's kind of struggling for mobility on that whole sequence. The shot, right? yep. He makes an incredible shot block with his back. He's willing to lay it on the line. And that puck goes up the wall, and he, he looks like he's struggling, so he doesn't go. And Pedersen's too far away, and Jolson drops off. Pedersen can't get there in time. And then even when Eller's coming downhill, like, okay, maybe Hoaglander can shift over, but he's also worried about the D-man. And he's coming into space, and... I, I'm not blaming Juleson, but yeah. it's, it's it's hard for him to close that gap on Eller, who's coming downhill, and it just it, it's just more unfortunate than anything. You prevent that one, are we talking about a three-two win here? Potentially, yeah. and, and that was also a minute and a minute twenty what, yeah. uh, into a shift as well. You mentioned the shot block, so there's a couple of things going on there. Uh, so we're saying fine lines in this one. <laughs> Carl Robinson yeah. reference. Yeah. Hey, season's uh, yeah, it's coming right. around the corner. Yeah, yeah. I, it, off soon. it does feel a little bit like that. It's just, I think more than anything, it's just disappointing. Yeah, you know, like you had a lead, and I thought the Canucks played a strong team. Like the first forty minutes, the Pens had almost nothing. They scored yep. a couple goals, and, and to me, the reason Sidney Crosby I thought was the best player on the ice because every shift he was willing his team mm-hmm. to something, and it was clear he was trying to drag guys along with him. You know, he doesn't have as much support as the guys on the Canucks have, but no matter who he was out with, he created a scoring chance. Or he was digging pucks out. He was doing something for it. And if it wasn't for him, I don't think the Penguins really would would have had much of a chance in this hockey game. But when, when you outplay an opponent the way you did tonight, usually you come away with the, come away with the two points, but it just wasn't to be tonight. And, Vic, you mentioned it earlier as well, the JT Miller effort, whether it's the goal, whether it's the assist to Brock Besser, you know, uh, essentially taking that shot, Nolachari blocks it. you got to respect the shot after that, even as he gets closer to the goal line and you make that pass to Brock Besser. Uh, later on in the game, active play in the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. Defensively, he was there. Uh, good plays on the blue line, the defensive blue line to on the PK. There are, you know, kind of levels to his game where you can be impressed by a the shorthanded goal or just the five on five game. So yeah, in that regard, you're saying, hey man, like Crosby played a heck of a game, and you can put him next to anybody. That's kind of been the story of his career. Uh, JT Miller had that type of game as well, where maybe not the hits in this game that we saw against Boston but influence the game. So you get one point. It's not ideal. You feel like you probably could have got two, but that also speaks to the standard of this team now where, you know, 40-minute efforts or 40 or 50-minute efforts are are not enough as teams are more desperate now. And that's kind of been the the situation going back to the Minnesota game. 
teams are desperate to get points. They're fighting for their playoff lives. Seattle was another example, and Pittsburgh tonight was too. Well, they were the most more desperate team in the yeah. third, and and I think that's a great point. When we when the coach talks about as we get later in the season here, can you match a desperation of teams. Ramp that are up, I in? imagine, is going to be a phrase we'll hear from Rick Tockett. And too. the Pens were like, hey, we got to leave everything on the ice. Yep. The final twenty, and the Canucks didn't match that intensity. And I mean, they had about a couple of scoring chances. In the third, then Miller had the one chance. Yep. Outside of that, they're being generated. I'm, I'm just looking at natural statrics, uh, high danger scoring chance differential. 13-7 in favor of Vancouver in this game. But they had 5-6-2. and two. So in the third, they weren't generating nearly as much, and that's when the Penguins started pushing in. And that's the, the period the Penguins had the best differentials because they were able to push a bit more. They were able to keep uh, the Canucks in their zone a bit more. And that's something they're going to have to, I think, adjust to, especially with L.A. coming in. Now, L.A. has Kempe out. They have Arvidsson out. Uh, they have Grundstrom uh, out. But they're going to be desperate. Yep. Same thing as the Pens. And can the Canucks match that desperation for teams? And in the third, they weren't able to. Yeah, you mentioned that matchup, though, from a center position perspective. That's going to be a good one, right? You look at the uh, down the middle of the ice in this division. Um, I know that Lindholm line 5-on-5 five five didn't have maybe the strongest of games. But despite that, I, I, the spine of this team poses problems for other teams where you're saying, okay, who – if you can get some offense from that third line, you know, that that's going to make this team that much stronger. And I think Lindholm now not scoring in the last six games. Yeah. Uh, Connor Garland didn't have the best of games either. I thought, you know, I think there's uh, certain moments where you're probably looking at, you know, he was relentless in the neutral zone on one play when he was diving out, making that play, launching the counterattack. But, you know, against L.A., I, I, that's going to be a heck of a matchup because you've got three against three. Let's see who the better uh, the centers are. The three centers thing. Uh, it's it's nice in theory, but it's... Do you have enough wings? <laughs> like, that's a problem. Do you have enough right? wings it, for it's, it? Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, you know, I feel like Teddy Bluger, I haven't looked at how many minutes he played tonight. Um, I think it was around 15-16, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he played 13-52. The 13? Yeah, okay. see, that... I don't know. It's it just yeah. like the fourth line is going to get minimized. He, he had a role, right? Like, he had a role, and now it feels like it's getting diminished. And you're you're low, you have to get those three guys minutes if you're going th- those three centers down the middle, and now you have weaker wingers with them, and you know for me like Lindholm was never like a, a primary play driver. Now you're doing it in a depth spot here, yep. but you paid a premium. You you, you didn't pay it. Uh, maybe this was the plan, but for me like the transaction that made the most sense was getting a winger for Elias Pettersson, and that hasn't been solved. And yeah, it's great to have the versatility, but. It's, it's versatility to a fault a little bit. Well, one of the things we heard from Rick Tocca was hybrid player, right? That look with Elias Pettersson, even though they had that one game that they had six points, you haven't really seen that production there. And when you have that, then you really diminish the role of Ilya Mikheyev on the fourth line because he wasn't really generating there. He's actually looked better on in the Pettersson line, which you do when you play well you know, with good players. With Elias Lindholm, uh, that's a player that, yeah, you're right alongside Elias Pettersson is probably where you have to look at some point, especially if you want offense. But this is a situation where I think when you pop down, you know, Ilya Mikheyev further down the lineup, he doesn't really play to the style that you want him to. So unless Lindholm and Pettersson can generate together consistently, uh, you're going to have to, you're going to have to unfortunately continue to experiment because uh, Vic, you, you know, you mentioned it prior to this change, like they weren't producing. They had a couple of big games, but outside of that, the production wasn't there. I'd still really like to see McKayev Pedersen or McKayev Miller Besser. Right? Although, like, yeah, like but you're right. Like if you throw them down the lineup, it, it 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 struggles. But I thought that I mean the JT. So if 
to me, it was a toss-up between Sid and JT as the best players. Sure. I'll, I'll yeah. shade yeah. Sid because of, again, the degree of difficulty, and he was an absolute monster, but JT was incredible tonight, right? The way he's driving with Besser, and Besser scored on the power play too, I'm, I'm okay with it. With McKay not being there, that line's working, but I do wonder if, if his place to be effective in the top six is going to have to be on a line like that, potentially. Yeah, I guess the question I have there is that, you know, what Rick Tockett has mentioned is that he likes certain players to play close, right? And mm-hmm. Ilya Mikheyev, would he be able to play? Suter does it well with uh, mm-hmm. Besser and Miller. Does Mikheyev have that in his game? Well, I guess it's one way to try try yeah. it out, but I, I haven't seen that from Mikheyev yet. I, I want to be clear. Like, this is not an indictment on P.U. Suter, right? Yep. It just I think he can also be effective as a fourth-line center. And you put Mikheyev there... Like to your point, he hasn't looked effective down in in a, in a depth role, and like you you have to make it work. You're paying him too much money. Feels unlikely that he gets moved out. So how do you make it work best at, at some point? And I I don't really like the three center thing. It, it, it to me it causes as many issues as you think you're solving. The thing is, you got to figure out who we can play with Pedersen and have success with. Can Lindholm play with him? Does Lindholm play? And uh, honestly, we can talk about this as the show goes mm-hmm. on because I. I don't mind having the center depth because I think come the postseason, like but that's how you win. But they have center depth. But like, even no, no, like there's, Bluger and, and Suter. Yeah, but can't play your centers and Bluger was centering a fantastic third line. Yeah, but when it comes the postseason, Lindholm was a notch above. It's like when you talk about Vegas last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. The third line center was William Carlson. Yeah, you know yeah. that's a, that's a you, fair point. You yeah. probably need a wing though. I mean, we'll talk about that. All right, Randy, great stuff tonight. Uh, calling the game alongside Brendan Bachelor. We look forward to chatting with you on Thursday when the Canucks take on the banged-up L.A. Kings. Cheers, boys. Have a good one. Enjoy the night. <laughs> we'll do our best. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Uh, and, Bick, we have a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. Um, Seems like they never win the OT draw. Terrible play by PD to cause that two-on-one. As far as how things happened uh, on the PK, I mean, sorry, in, in overtime, a mm-hmm. couple of things. Yes, uh, that wasn't a great play, obviously, on the, on the two-on-one chance. What about the deployment? Hoaglander played 15-21, had a strong game. Garland, we mentioned, eh, maybe not his strongest game. But Garland gets a chance in overtime. Hoagliner doesn't. You can always quibble when a team loses. And Garland obviously got lost a little mm-hmm. bit on that play as well. Uh, did Hoagliner maybe? Maybe should he should he have been out there in overtime instead? Uh, yes, no. It's, it, 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 it's Are we talking about this if, if Garland doesn't overskate a puck? Like, to me, that's so random in a way. Um, but, you know, early on, Hoaglander was buzzing. Um, so it, on tonight, merit sure. What's the overall plan? Um, the, the the OT deployments are always strange. They are strange. Now yeah. come playoff time, it's not three yeah. on three. It's going to be different anyway. So doesn't matter or not. But I think it's a fair point to bring up. Uh, any anything else you want to read on text inbox? Well, here the, right the, away? the Patterson play was the one. Like it it looked a little strange in real time, and as soon as he jumped, you're like, oh, you're not going to make it there, and it just opens up this opportunity, and then the the, the puck stays in the zone, and uh, all, all sorts of issues thereafter. And it, it was it was a tough moment. Yeah, absolutely. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650, 650. Uh, this one says, McCabe had a few chances tonight to continue to fail to finish. Uh, ever have a guy, have the Canucks ever had a guy who wants to win as badly as JT Miller? We can think of a few players, but he's getting into that category where his will and desire is as high as we've seen of any player, and those are the types of players that can really push you in the postseason. 
Uh, all right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. Let's take a phone call here before we hit the break as well. Let's go to Victoria, where we have Steve on the line. Steve, thanks for calling in. Now, what are your thoughts here tonight? Well, actually, you know, I can be pretty critical of the Canucks, but I thought tonight's game was actually a really good game. And I thought Pittsburgh, considering they just flew across the country while we are, while our players were resting for two days, Pittsburgh played one hell of a game. And that was a fast game from where I was. I'm sitting watching. I thought that game was really fast. I think what the game showed you tonight is just how hard it is to win in this league because a bunch of old, tired guys just flew across the country and gave the Canucks one hell of a game. Hey, Steve, thanks for the phone call. And, I mean, hey, you give the Penguins a lot of credit, but I did think the Canucks, considering the chances they had in the first 40, yeah. probably should have been up more goals than what they were. Like, they were up 2 nothing. Probably should have been, you know, like – I felt the I, win was there for the taking, 100%. right? And, and, and full credit to the to the Penguins. And, and it, it was a, a really fast game. And like uh, Drew O'Connor, I almost said Logan. Drew O'Connor like had moments where his speed impacted, even on the third goal. Mm-hmm. You know, his speed there closing down on Zadorov and Juleson played an element in that. And yeah, then and, and Pustinen had a breakaway on on a rush chance, and you know, they, they got some 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 quick guys, uh, but they also have some old guys and. They, they showed their craft and guile tonight to uh, earn out two points. There are some guys that looked, uh, like, say, uh, a, fi- a bit behind the pace, mm-hmm. to, to put it mi- mildly, for uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. But, again, I'm just so impressed by how good um, Sidney Crosby played again. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Not that I'm surprised, but just, just so impressed by how he played. Um, this one says, Lindholm doing nothing, big mistake. And others have texted this in, too, about Elias Lindholm. We'll talk more about that and, and how he fits in and, and how, how those things are going to go. But keep your thoughts coming into a Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. You're toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. As the Canuck Central Post Game Show continues, presented by the number 5 Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports, too. More coming up in the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Raquel. He'll gain the Vancouver line, leaves right boards for Valtteri Pustin, who dumps it behind the Canuck net. Demko out of the goal. Clears around the boards to Pedersen. He tipped it to the line, and JT Miller pokes it to center. He's got a breakaway. Miller, shorthanded, scores! JT Miller on the shorthanded breakaway scores his 30th of the season, and the Canucks are back in front as he fires it top shelf to make it 3-2. And that's what you call a response. JT Miller being aggressive at the blue line. Fighting with Chris Letang for the pocket, pops up into the air, and he beats Letang to the puck. Breakaway all by himself, and he snipes blocker side on Tristan Jari. An excellent play, and Chris Letang was asking for a high stick of the puck. Not a chance on that one. 3-2 Vancouver. JT Miller with the play of the game. Incredible work on the penalty kill. Picks Latang's pocket, goes in and beats Tristan Jari. Gave the Canucks a 3-2 lead, but that's as close as they got to winning this game. Penguins come back to win 4-3 in overtime. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, Canucks, well, they were playing really well tonight overall. 
but you saw in the, in the third period it kind of started waning. And, you know, to the point you guys were making too, it seemed like a wasted JT Miller performance to some degree. He was fantastic again. We mentioned the other day, it's like, you know, you filled up the box score. Well, tonight, four shots on goal, three other attempts, so seven attempts total, four hits, two takeaways, one giveaway, one block shot, 55% in the draw, an assist, and the goal that you just heard there, short-handed, no less, uh, for JT Miller. And, you know, he gets serenaded by the crowd as well. Uh, so it was a full effect there for JT Miller and, and, and a full night with 21 minutes and 39 seconds as well. Yeah. And and when he's on it and he's charging hard for pucks like he was on that goal, he's tough to handle. He is tough to handle. And, you know, that's the thing. It's It was such a good performance. Now, Sidney Crosby matched it uh, or surpassed it for you. Uh I just thought Sidney Crosby yeah. was incredible tonight. Like, in the first he period. He does it differently. Honestly, so for the first, what, 30 minutes, the Penguins had maybe three scoring cha- four scoring chances, mm-hmm. and it was all Sidney Crosby. Sets up a 2-on-1, sets up another low high pass. He set up Raquel on the power play, set up Pustinarian on another shot. Like, all, the only chances the Pens had in the first 40 minutes were all Sidney Crosby. It was, like, he was the only reason the Pens were in this hockey game. Mm-hmm. And he was doing it with, like, a bunch of nobodies around with him. He's an incredible hockey player, yeah. and that's why I'll shade with Sidney Crosby. I know people are saying JT was the best player, but who cares? I mean, we're talking about yeah. two guys that were fantastic. I just think, you know, Sid Personal was the best opinion one of the guys. through it all, they were it both really fantastic. At the end the of the day, yeah. he was the Canucks' best player, JT Miller. And, you know, as far as, as you would imagine, people texting in about Elias Pettersson, what did you think of the way Hoaglander, McCabe, and Pettersson played? Because they scored a goal. In the first period, they were buzzing. Pedersen had a number of scoring chances, a couple of wraparound chances. There was a chance in the second where he skies it on, on – he has a lot of mm-hmm. room above Jari, but skies it over the net. I know he got deflected. He had a couple other opportunities. I thought he had a solid game for the most part, that line did. In the third, they didn't generate much. But, but for 40 minutes, I thought the Hoaglander, Mikheyev, Pedersen line was actually pretty strong in this game. Yeah, I felt like it started hot and yeah. slowly depreciated maybe, but very, very incrementally. Um I know this Patterson text coming in, and you know the the the, the fourth goal, the OT goal. Uh, okay, like he's he's at fault for that play, uh, for how that puck gets out of the zone. But yeah, they they started really well, um, and and Hoaglander had significant moments. Like he even. Uh, was it right before or right after his goal he even had a chance as well? It was right before. I mean, on that shift, he, he had a chance net front. He dug the puck out, circled it around, went around the net, and came back and scored on it. That same shift, he had two chances. The previous shift, they also, he had also had a, uh, had a no, minor no, uh, chance. No, right after the goal where Latang turns the puck over oh, behind okay, the goal yeah. line, and he slides it to Pedersen, who works his way through two guys. I think right. Malkin was one of them, and he gets a shot off there. So, again, like the first period, they, they were really strong. And... Kind of just needed that line to be there um, to, to to close it out, and it comes down to the third for yeah. me. You know, it, it just comes down to the third period again. And the more I think about it, the more you yeah. kind of go over what happened here. Not enough of a, a push from these players, right? And you mentioned Niels Hoglander playing 15 minutes tonight. That marks, I believe, it's only the third second he had third time. A couple of games ago, yeah, right? it's only the third time this season he's crested the 15 minute mark. He did it against Seattle. Uh, he did it earlier this season in a game against the Minnesota Wild where he played 15:45, and tonight. Those are the only times this season he's played over 15 minutes. We'll see if – and that's twice now mm-hmm. in the last three games. So we would mentioned how he's consistently been playing 10, 11, 12 minutes a game. 
that's creeping up a little bit, and we'll see if that continues going. Uh, anything else you want to read on the text inbox uh, before we Ian go to the full The Patterson line scares me defensively every time he's on the ice. Where did that Selkie candidate go? Uh, I'll try to bring up the numbers here, what their line did uh, defensively this evening. Um, so they were 11 shots for, 9 against, uh, 6 shots on goal, 4 against. Expected goals, they were 69%. High danger chances, they were 75%. I would say by and large, you know, defensively, it was a fine night uh, for that Pedersen group. Uh, it just, uh, that, that goal against the other one, I, I really just think that comes down to very unfortunate circumstances where Juleson's mobility is seriously hampered. He doesn't want to get too too high up the ice in case he's got to retreat. So there's a, a two-on-one play at the top of the blue line. Pedersen's waiting for a puck to go down low, so he's trying to cut off a pass to Drew O'Connor, and now he realizes, okay, Juleson's retreating. i got to yeah. go there, and he's just too late to get to Pustin in. And then nobody closes out on Eller. Uh, I, I, I know some people were, were saying it's on Hoaglander should get there. I just feel like it's too harsh for him to – be on the D-man and also read Eller coming in with speed. He's got to shift all the way over. And if, if Juleson's moving fine, you know, someone closes down that guy uh, with Eller coming downhill. So yeah. it, it just it's unfortunate. I know they're on the, the ice for that goal. Um, but I, I'm not overly worried about that. No, not, not overly concerned. One thing I'm curious to hear is the head coach's thoughts about how this game went. And like how it how it shifted towards the end because again strong start how they finished it off should probably still came away with the victory but ultimately it didn't. The play that might be on that goal is when they make the offensive zone. Patterson passes it to the point. Yeah. That one skips over Zadorov's stick. Is that one you can throw down below the goal line? That that one I'm open to uh, have a conversation about. I, I don't really have a big problem with uh, that, that pass uh, to Zadorov, but it certainly leads to the entire sequence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Let's go to the phone boards and take a couple phone calls here. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Let's go to Maple Ridge where we have Jeff on the line. Jeff, thanks for calling in, and what are your thoughts here tonight? Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, just coming home from the game. Can you guys confirm with me, was it not Bluger that copped up the puck uh, on the, I believe it was the second goal mm-hmm. uh, off the boards? Like that was a blind pass, backhanded pass into the middle of the ice that that turned into a that turned into a goal, and the other goal that was scored against us. I thought Zadorov's effort to get back to that puck, considering he had, I'm going to be generous and say a stride and a half on the forward. I think it might have even been two and a half strides on him, and it just seemed like he just coasted into the corner. Now it didn't directly didn't directly result but shortly thereafter they did get their goal and i just thought that effort was below below what we can what we have been uh maybe setting our standards to for the year i thought if he puts in a a proper a proper stride to that puck it's it's either around the boards he could skate with around the boards so i'm i'm those two those two plays in particular if you take those two plays away from this game i actually thought the canucks I actually thought the Canucks were were deserving of this of this win. I think you're bang on with the Crosby comments. The guy's awesome. The guy is the guy is phenomenal. And without him, um, I actually don't know where Pittsburgh would be because Malkin has certainly um, lost a, a step or two. Yeah. So you know those those two plays in particular, Bluger. I don't know what what he, what he was 
thinking to put that backhand into the middle of the ice like that in our own yeah. zone. So um, that that's one. And like I say, that Zadorov, that 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 skating hard back to the ice, that that's that that can't be a standard that we can live with. So um, and then finally, my comments regarding JT Miller. If there isn't at least a whisper about him being MVP uh, uh, for the league, then then let me be the first to say it. Because game in and game out, he is the best player on the ice. And where I'm saying Crosby with Pittsburgh, where would they be without Crosby? Where would we be without JT Miller? Because he is an absolute bargain at the salary that he's getting when you, you know put it up against some other contracts are in this league. So, so appreciate you guys. I, I love the post game show. I love hearing what you guys always have to say. And, and I'll leave you with that. Have a good night. Hey, great stuff. Thanks for the phone call. We haven't heard a lot of uh, JT Miller for heart love. So maybe Jeff is, mm-hmm. I'm sure there've been others who have said it, but I mean, there's some guys having some fantastic seasons across the league. That's why it hasn't emerged, but no, hey, but you start a- having the run of games that you have right now. So I was mentioning this on on the TV broadcast. We were talking about JT Miller and you, you know how this year he had a great first half. And one of the things Ian talked about is kind of the maturity he's showing too. Like he's he's got this great power, JT, with his physicality, with with his ferociousness that he has, and the passion he plays with. And he himself knows that if he channels it the right way, he can be so much more effective. And it's not that you know. It's, it's, I'm not sitting here and talking about the smashing the stick stuff, but it seems like he's channeling his energy so much more effectively this season. We heard the coach talk about the Boston game that he was fiery on the ice but calm on the bench. And he was really able to you know generate that passion on the ice, and you saw he was he was so good in spearheading them coming back in. And what what it shows me is he's a guy that can now put together a great first half and a second half. We know that he's been a guy that, that's better in the second half. So last year he had 46 points in his last 41 games, got himself to 82 points to a point per game at the end of the season. The year prior he had 60 points in his last 41 games, 60 points in the last 41. This year he had 55 points in his first 41 games. Now he has he has 11 points in his last five. Like if he finishes strong like he normally does, like he can really shoot up the point standing still. Like, he can have a, a monstrous season here by the time we get to the end of it. And if you have a season like that and the Canucks f- finish first in the Western Conference, yeah, he, he probably deserves some heart, heart heart discussion at the very least. Yeah, John from Vernon texting in. Miller was amazing. I was on the trade him bandwagon two years ago. I'm glad I was wrong. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. I do want to touch on the first goal, though. Yes, it's a blind pass, but you watch the way the sequence goes entirely. I'm pretty sure Teddy Bluger thought Ian Cole was going to be in that center of the ice. And the way this play works, Myers goes up the wall to Lafferty. Uh, sorry, he goes to Bluger. Bluger, uh, Bluger pushes it to Lafferty, who goes back to Bluger. And Ian Cole is above Sam Lafferty. So he's above the play. And I don't know if he thought he could, if Lafferty was going to chip it up the wall to the next forward going out of the zone. And Ian Cole's like, all right, I, I got to support the guy because there's three guys behind me, but he's above Sam Lafferty on the play. And when the puck goes back to Bluger, he's thinking, well, Ian Cole's going to be there, and he chips it in. So I, like, it, it's definitely a blind pass, but I think he's assuming Ian Cole's going to be there for yeah. him. Well, you, you mentioned Ian Cole, and you know Jeff called in and mentions Zadorov as well. In some moments, the defense had some struggles. Juleson, of course, he blocked a shot. His lower back. Yeah, I, I, to get I think back. that's just like that, that's so unfortunate. You can't put that yeah. on him. Like the guy's playing hobbled. He's doing the best he can to get back into the play. 
Ian Cole has had some struggles recently. Mm-hmm. He's been a fantastic addition for this team. He's been so good defensively for the most part. A great veteran presence. But it looks like the amount of games, he's also into his you know mid to late 30s at this stage. It seems to be getting to him a little bit. We saw him get a maintenance day earlier this season when the Canucks were on that New York trip. When Carson Soucy comes back, I'm not saying go and health, healthy scratch Ian Cole, but do you need to limit him a little bit to ensure you get a better version of him in the postseason? Because he's not at his best right now. Well, even if there's a certain element of rotation with, with Zadorov and Cole, that could be something that the doctor ordered. But it, tonight was definitely a night where I felt like Carson Soucy is really missed because he was playing so, so well. And even the second goal, my, my, it, it's five on three, right? It, it, it's difficult realities. And they do so well on the initial chance, and, and there's a shot block, and it gets out of the zone, but it's not a line change. And so the entry is really easy for Eric Carlson. But you watch the two demon on this play, and they're exhausted. I totally understand. But Jeff Carter really easily gets position on Ian yeah. Cole, and Cole's trying to work from over top. So he's in front of Demko, and he goes around um, Jeff Carter. And he basically leaves the front of the crease open. Well, where does the pass come from? From Sidney Crosby. Cross-crease pass. Yeah. And so that opens up a spot. And Jeff Carter just kind of just shoulders him around and, and lets him go around him like it's uh, square dancing or something. <laughs> and Juleson, like, is exhausted. And he's reaching, but he's not pushing to get to that back post there for Raquel. So it, it was definitely a night tonight where I was like, man, they really got to get Carson Susie back. Because it's a lot of minutes, right? It's... Tyler Myers can play consistently, you know, 20 plus minutes and you kind of need that. He's there. He's essentially the third, their number three D man. And so his partner has got to play along with them. And it just looks like it's, it's mounting right now. Yeah, no, it certainly does look like at least some of those pressure situations. And we hear the coach talk about that meeting pressure with pressure. All right, let's take a couple more phone calls here. Uh, let's go to new West where we have Sean on the line. Sean, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts here tonight? Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Um, obviously the game, I mean, they were up to nothing and, uh, they could have that early power play this year. I mean, obviously they should have uh, put that game away. They could have, they despite that, you know, that power play goal, they scored early. They didn't Pittsburgh. I mean, 87 is 87. He's one of the greatest players to ever play this game. So, you know, the way he played tonight and uh, setting up those two goals uh, to tie the game, uh, the 2-2, and then the Canucks, you know, obviously that Miller goal was incredible. It was a great hockey game overall. Uh, but just, you know, giving up a point sucks. But you know what? At least, you know, you manage your losses, uh, get at least one point, and then move on to L.A., right? Yeah, At the end no of the doubt day. about it. But, um, yeah, and that's really all i got to say. And uh, one thing i just got to say to you guys is that, um, you know, there's been a lot of – I hope Jason Braz listening to this uh, – call or the show but uh, him and uh dr dangles need to settle little you know work out the differences from this morning sad to see on twitter those two guys going at it hopefully they can sit down go for some coffee and just uh hug it out hope you uh, guys have a good night bye hey hey thanks for the phone call uh, uh hugging it out we'll see if uh, anybody hugs it out over over stupid uh Twitter Social exchanges. Twitter yeah. exchanges. All right. Uh, good stuff from Sean. Let's continue on the phone, bros. Let's take one more phone call here. Let's go to Tawasin, uh, yeah, so to where Corey's on the line. Corey, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts here tonight? Hi, how are you? Good, buddy. Um, my issue is, is all the hate against Pedersen. From December 23rd until Saturday versus Boston, uh, Miller and Pedersen have the exact same amount of points, 33 points. 
Pedersen actually had more goals. And if you look up and down the, st- uh, the stats, uh, when you consider like Nylander and uh, Marner and, you know, all those guys, they're all within about the same points range. And I just don't know why there's so much hate. The only thing I can say that is similar is the hate that happened with the Sedins back in the day. And I'll just leave it at that. So have a good night. Wasn't happy with the result, but it is what it is. Hey, uh, thanks for your phone call, man. I appreciate that. Well, Superintendent Steve is also texting in. Uh, do you guys think a lot of the Miller love is being pushed due to the fans slowly turning on Petey? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is going on? Just saying. No. I, I mean, Thoughts to, in people's minds, Sat. To the point that um, Corey made calling in from Tawasson, like he's not, if you look, it's funny, like he's not wrong when you look at the production Pedersen's had, and that's one thing we point to, and the people are like, oh, it's more than just points, points don't, points don't matter. It's like, okay, well, you know, he's, he's doing fairly well. It's like, well, look at JT. It's like, well, you know, there was a time where Pedersen led the team in scoring. Now JT's leading the team in scoring again. Then we kind of going back and forth this entire season, and we'll see where it ends by the end of it. But I, I don't even understand, and I'm not saying Corey did this, but I don't understand people pitting JT versus Pedersen. It's like one guy's 30, one guy's 25. And what's Pedersen going to be in a few years? And hey, maybe it's not in Vancouver. Who knows? But we talk about him like with the type of player that he is. It's like, you know, he's, he's probably going to get better. Probably going to be stronger in his skates too at some point. I don't know. That's just how I see it. I, I, I'll take one. I said one more phone call. Let's take one yeah. more before we get to the head coach. Let's go to Chilliwack where we have Dustin on the line. Dustin, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts here tonight? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, just just heading home from the game, loyal season ticket holder. Just want to preface it all by saying, man, I love these guys. It's been a great season. Last couple were were tough, so it's a lot of fun being there. And uh, and as always, a great great show. You guys cap it all so well. A uh, cu- couple quick quick questions and thoughts. Uh, PD is is his contract not figured out because money's a great motivator. Is he kind of you know maybe leaning on that? And hopefully he is going into a postseason also a question on is it helping him at all playing with with fringe players i mean no disrespect to hoggies he's performing but i mean mckayev like it i i don't know is he is is he the guy is 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 he there going deep i just i i don't know I'm, i'm not feeling it not seeing it it's really felt off lately and then last, I, I really agree. I do think we miss Susie. I think he, he rounds it out well back there and, and just brings that extra bit of stability. We we just need him to stay healthy. And if he's not healthy going into next year, who? Um, I agree. I, I don't think we should be seeing too much more than uh, than 10 to 12 out of Cole. Like, he just seems to slip up. Anyways, uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, go Canucks, go. Hey, Thanks for the phone call. Dustin and Chilliwack calling in. Um, who I think did a woo at the end, woo. but Eddie was Eddie was, was quick, quick on, on the it, drop. Yeah. Eddie's really quick on it. Uh, so on the Pedersen, you know, money-wise, like I, I don't think it's about money with Pedersen. Again, like I think that's also been reported. I don't think it's just about the money because it's clear the connector's saying, hey, not that we'll give you whatever you want, but we are willing to play okay, ball. Okay, so actually really quickly on that. Not that he's going to get anything. But how much more do you think he can earn between now and the end of the playoffs? So what's the number at now? Give me your, your, your number. Let's just say blank check, and the, the, the number comes back like, oh, 
like, or twelve point seven five. Like it's not. I don't think it's thirteen. Like it's like I think it's maybe like twelve point seven five. Okay, so like another six hundred K per year, sure. five hundred K per year, maybe. But if they go to the third round. I don't know if it changes. Them. Oh, it depends on how he plays in the third round. Like, sure, if he's the yeah. best player on the ice and he's, like, leading the team and he's like, man, this guy, this guy might win the con smite if they win the Stanley Cup. Okay, sure, perhaps. But I, I, is that the motivating factor for him to make an extra 500 k per year on a three-year deal? That's like $1.5 maybe. Like, I don't know if he's signing that seven, eight-year contract. So I, I don't think the money's the motivating factor for him. I, I agree. I, I would just, just on the idea of people, like, he can get anything he wants. Well... There must be a limit from the Canucks' standpoint, absolutely, of the idea of just like, hey, <laughs> if you want 14, maybe, but it feels like it'd, it'd be rich to do it right now. But if he goes third round and he goes to the Stanley Cup Finals, you know, 13 doesn't seem so ridiculous all of a sudden. No, no, he, he's not wrong about that. All right, we have people texting in about the officials and everything like that, too. We'll get to that coming up in a second, okay? Because we have people I, saying yeah. conspiracies. You guys work for Rogers. You don't want to call out the officials. Well, it's the same texts are from last show. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> but the funny thing is... We talked about, about the officials in the second intermission. <laughs> I, will t- I will assure you one thing, and our boss is actually here. And we showed him the text. Like he could not care less if we if, if we make fun of the officials or not. And our bosses and our overlords yes. do not care what we say about the officials either. I guarantee you, whatever we op- opinions we give about officials are our takes, and we can talk more about it. Because you know, this person mentions how how come we can't have an NBA system for explaining calls? We've literally argued for that. <laughs> so, anyways, we'll talk about the officials and what went, what went wrong today. But let, let's get the thoughts of the Canucks head coach. Here is Rick Tockett after a four three loss against the Pe- Penguins in overtime. Well, it was a lot of turnovers. We, we were self inflicted turnovers. That's really what it was. They made some turnovers, too. It was a turnover fest in the second period. It was who was going to make the less turnovers, and they got, they won. What did you think of the new-look power play units tonight? <clears throat> uh, some good, some bad. I mean, there were some looks there, we, uh, but uh, nice to get that one goal. Rick, uh, you guys have been so good, at least before the All-Star break, in terms of closing games out when you had a lead going into the third. Beyond the turnovers, was there anything else there? Because it seemed like Pittsburgh mm-hmm. carried the play in the third. Uh, well, I just thought there was some sloppy stuff, you know, um, detailed stuff. There was, you know, some guys looked tired out there, to be honest with you. But it was, uh, you know, even when we're up three to two on that, you know, we give them that goal, bad coverage, you know. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think a lot of guys, there's a lot of average guys out there. You know, Millsy drove to play again today. I thought Millsy was great, you know, very, very good today. Rick, 12 points in 12 games since the All-Star break. You've, you've had some lulls where maybe your team <clears throat> hasn't been as successful <clears throat> over a segment of games, but at no point have those lulls like meaningfully hurt your club. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like yep. At least it's 500 hockey. Um, what do you do to get out of it, and is it at least a positive sign that you're still accumulating points even if you haven't been well, in yeah, the last few yeah. years? No, it's, it's a good question. We're, we're hanging in there, but you know we... we we need some individuals to up their game. You know, it's just, you know, there's some guys are just okay. It's been okay for a while, and they got to, you know, you got to contribute. If it's not goals and assists, it's make sure you get the puck in deep or you're good uh, defensively. You just, you know, um, you know, I think we've just been a little sloppy. I don't know if it's a tired team, but, uh, you know, we got this, the, you know, the schedule's going to favor us in the sense we're not going to be playing as many games loaded right now so hopefully uh we get some guys legs back and and some of the brains back again you know because uh, we're a little sloppy 
how do you think your defensive group handled their forecheck tonight? <clears throat> Not too good. I, I, I thought our D were holding the pucks too long. You know, Pittsburgh has a – they're good at smothering, and if you get it by that layer, um, I think we were fine. But we were holding on too long, to be honest with you. A lot of pucks got knocked down. Um, yeah, I, I don't think the D were – you know, to be quite honest, that they're – a little sloppy tonight, the D. I, I, I thought the game plan was to get it by their, their lair, and we didn't, and we had to pay for it. Coach, when you talk about the fatigue, do you think it's more of a mental fatigue or more of a physical fatigue? Well, I mean, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, but you got to be able to grind through. You know, you got to grind through those type of games. So there might be some physical and mental on some guys. You know, I understand that. But, uh, you know, you got to stick. You just got to stick with. Um, you know, the game plan. You know, if the play is there, take what's given, wait for the next shift. If nothing happens, sometimes we're looking for more, and that's what happens. You get stripped or you get pucks get knocked down, and then you play that, you know, you're flipping a coin when you play games like this. Who's going to win? Because, uh, the like, to me, the turnovers were just unacceptable. Are you surprised with that? Because, I mean, for the most part, as guys have pointed yeah, out. Yeah, no. Because, I mean, 2 nothing should be shutdown time, and seemed like guys wanted more tonight, as you would say. Well, it's that and the stick penalties again. You know, we're, you know we get sloppy, you know, hooking. Like, it's just it's just uh, you can't do that stuff. You know, we got, what, 20 games left. I think I said before we got it corrected. We had a really good game against Boston. So we got to find that game again. With the, with the players highlighting the start of the second period, you start that period on the power play. Is there a risk when you start with a man advantage in a period of maybe being a little lackadaisical and not? Well, yeah, I know. It shouldn't be. You should have a you know, killer instinct, you know, come up with a loose puck, somebody take a, sh- a shot, somebody in front, scree- like just do something simple. So it, you shouldn't have a lackadaisical a- attitude. Um, so, yeah, I hope not. But sure, look, they look like it, I guess. And you mentioned a, a breakdown on the 3-3 goal. What exactly happened there that there's a player that open in the slot coming right up the middle? <clears throat> well, there's a couple of guys. Uh, we had the chance to get it out. And then, you know, at, at the, you know we got out battled up top. And then Hoggy's got to hold the middle. You know, if they pass it to the, to the left side, so be it. Demmer will know where the puck is. Let him play half the net. And... Um, we just let the guy go through the guts of the ice, and then, you know, Denver had no chances. They had, they had somebody in front. I don't know why we didn't box the guy out. So we had two D. And poor Jolson, he already blocked. You know, it was a hell of a block by him. So he's the last guy. He's probably the only guy that kind of did his job. What did you think of the Bluger line tonight, particularly when they were able to establish the four check? <clears throat> I thought they were okay, yeah. You know, bad giveaway, though. You know, you can't give that puck away in the middle. That, 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 was, that was a gift. But uh, yeah, I did did Jeej and, uh, and Laugh had some good shifts for us, so you're right. Uh, that is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett, and uh, he was not too happy with some of his players tonight. Said that not enough guys had it tonight. Mentions a few guys retired. Wasn't very enamored with their defensive play. Uh, thought the defense struggled. Uh, he didn't have any issues with Noah Juleson, who blocked a shot on the 3-3 goal and mm-hmm. had trouble getting back into it. But the rest of the guys on the ice, he was not very happy with, and the guys on the ice were... Elias Patterson, Ilya Mikheyev, Niels Hoaglander, and of course, Juleson and Zadorov on the ice. So uh, not very happy with those four other players on that sequence. Some guys got to get their brains back too. Yeah. Some legs and some brains back. Yeah, I 
I can understand why he was frustrated because they played fairly well for the first 40. The final 20, it kind of slipped away from them, and they didn't have the juice. And if at least if they would have pushed back, I think, he, and won this game, he could have talked about, hey, we didn't quite have it, but we stuck with it, and we didn't give up the lead. Just the way they lost the lead, I think, was very frustrating for the coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he mentioned lots of turnovers from both sides, right? We mentioned puck management. Uh, if it's a little cleaner, uh, do they walk their way out of uh, this two-goal lead or a one-goal lead? And something they've been so good at uh, throughout the course of this season, protecting leads. Uh, you know, they've been the best in the NHL at it, 31-2-2 uh, and two, uh, with leads now uh, as, as another one gets added to the L column. Or, sorry, 31-1-3 and because mm-hmm. it's OT. Uh, so... You know, a short little wobble here for the Canucks. 500 coming out of the uh, the All-Star break. And, and we've had a couple of texts here come in, uh, 650-650. Why don't you guys stop putting this team on a pedal st- <laughs> on a pedestal? Uh, I'll clean up that text because they said pedal stool, but yeah. nevertheless. Uh, reality is they lost 5-6, should be 6-6 six six if they didn't get that lucky comeback last game. <laughs> team is struggling, barely winning games as of late. What is the actual problem with this team? You guys say keeps, you guys keep saying correct this, correct that, but it's been more of the same. Has it, though? Has it, though? I, I thought they played well in three of the four games that they lost, like Winnipeg, Minnesota, Colorado. I mean, you can say, well, if you – the thing about the what ifs, they go cut both ways. Sure. If you want to say the w- what if they didn't come back and win, what if they mm-hmm. didn't lose two of those games against Minnesota, they had the lead. What if they don't get in penalty trouble? What if they don't do this? The what ifs cut both ways, right? So honestly, like my, I don't really have this big overarching concern about the team coming out of the six game stretch. It's more about certain games, certain things they've done, and tonight was more similar to the previous games they played and they lost but just didn't do enough to help themselves. Like, this game was more reminiscent of what happened in Minnesota without the power plays going 10-7, obviously, and, mm-hmm. and things kind of falling apart. But the Canucks gave them a 5-on-3, needlessly gave them a 5-on-3. Now, we'll talk about that on the other side. More of your phone calls as well. Hold on to your phone lines. Grab a, a line if you like. 604-280-0650. You're toll-free. 1-888-275-0650. Hit us up on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650, and we'll continue the conversation. It's Satyar Shah with Big Nazar on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Lars Eller with speed into the Vancouver zone. Right wing trying to shot blocked by Hironik. Garland gets it, can't settle it, and can't clear. Eric Carlson left point. Drops near side for Riley Smith to the goal. Passes right side. What a save by Deco and Eller. Rebound, they score. Eric Carlson wins it for the Penguins on the second opportunity in the slot. And Pittsburgh comes from behind after trailing 3-2 after 2 to beat the Canucks 4-3 in overtime tonight at Rogers Arena. And Thatcher Demko's heroics could not save the Vancouver Canucks here in overtime. Multiple saves. And Connor Garland trying to get the puck out just loses an edge as the Pittsburgh attack comes through and Riley Smith makes the original pass. Eventually, the puck comes to Eric Carlson off a rebound, and a heck of a save by Thatcher Demko. But he couldn't stop Eric Carlson's shot from the middle of the slot. 
Canucks lose 4-3 in overtime against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. A lot of reaction on the text inbox. This one here says... A slow old man team that got outshot for most of the game and outpossessed somehow took less penalties than the Canucks. Big surprise. Hey, Sat, fill me in on the play now odds for the Canucks getting more penalties next game because I'm putting my life savings on it. I think you you should be careful with uh, betting too much on the Canucks getting more power plays because they haven't been getting a ton of power plays. So, first things first, know your limits, play within <laughs> it. Uh, don't put your life savings on that. That's uh, very well said, Vic. Very well st- said. So on the officiating. I didn't think it was a cleanly officiated game. Like I don't mm-hmm. think this this was a greatly, you know, fantastically officiated game. Which we always say, if you're going to make mistakes, be consistent with it, right? Like bad officiating is going to happen. Just be consistent. Four power plays for the Penguins. Sorry, five power plays for the Penguins. Four for the Canucks, and the five one, of course, was a five on three, right? I don't know about the calls that. So people were mad about the high sticking calls. I mean, Patterson high sticks a guy. I don't know what to say. Um, Myers cross checks a guy in the face when they're already down a man. To me, mm-hmm. to me, the moment to be upset about was you go down two men. And were any of the penalties on the Canucks like really horrendous calls? Did they miss calls? Absolutely. Were there things that happened for sure? Both ways. Both ways. Yes. Absolutely. And I'm. But the Canucks. How good did their power play look outside of the one goal they scored? Did they generate anything on their chances? Like we just talked about, their final two power plays were absolutely lifeless. Absolutely, well, the first lifeless. one was lifeless too. First one was lifeless. You're right. They scored on the second one. The third and fourth were terrible. So to me, that's that's the issue there. And I think discipline's an issue. Like the coach mentioned, don't take sticker fractions. You have to be smarter. Why are these guys high sticking guys all the time? It's a high stick. Mm-hmm. Don't high stick a guy. You're already down a man. Like, what? What are you doing? Be careful. And and, and that's the thing with Myers. I don't. I don't understand. Like, he was he was looking at the official. He's kind of lo- looks incredulous. Dude, your stick hit him in the face. <laughs> like, what are you incredulous about? And you know his. Your stick hit him in the face. It's yeah. not like I got him in the ribs. It's like it's very obvious that the stick rode up. And I don't think we're talking about the officiating if if Myers doesn't take that penalty cuz there's no way the Penguins score. Their power play looked absolutely horrendous. We know their power play's not good, clicking at 14%. The fact they scored a goal today was was massive and it goes to show you give a team uh, a two-man advantage even if they struggled, there's a decent chance they score and the Pens scored on their two-man advantage. But to me that's the play. That's discipline. We can talk about the officiating all we want, but you take a stupid penalty when you're already down a man, you go down two. They can score a goal. you got to take responsibility for that yourself. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Uh, a, a lot of consideration here uh, when it comes to how the Canucks played. And uh, this one here says, uh, great game by the Canucks against a team that played very well. Petey looks stressed. He's an elite player, but you can see the pressure on his facial expressions. I, I see this stuff about Pedersen. I think it's interesting because I, I did not like his third. But I thought that line, like for the first half of the game, was engaged. Like Pedersen mm-hmm. created a couple of chances. We mentioned the two wraparound chances he had. They had a great shift when Hoaglander scored. He dug a couple pucks out. They created more opportunities in the first through the second. Then it kind of petered off. But I think the discussion you heard people like, especially when, when sitting on press row, the buzz was, "Oh, Pedersen's playing really well this game." I didn't like his third. I'm not sure. There are many Canuck players outside of J.T. Miller whose third period I was a big fan of, and. 
as the coach mentioned, a lot of guys standing around not doing what they're supposed to do on the 3-3 goal, and he's certainly a culprit on it. But I'm not sure he had this horrible game start to finish. Uh, no, it, and look, he had two assists today too. Uh, although they've changed he took the, one away. Yeah, yeah they, sorry, they took one away. So it goes to Ilya Mikheyev, and, and he, he's the one that tips the puck uh, for JT on JT's shorthanded goal. But he, he had a couple of wraparound attempts. You know, Hoaglander has one earlier that nearly goes in. Um, and then the one where he generates the rebound uh, as well. Yeah, it, look, it's, it was it was like another fine Elias Pettersson performance, and people want to see the game-breaker performance. Yeah, and I get Which, it. Which, like, sure. Um, but I, I don't think this was a bad game from Elias Pettersson. I didn't think it was bad, but bad moment. C- sure. Certainly a lot of guys had some Just bad really moments. quickly, the, the reason I didn't uh, chime in on the on the refereeing thing, I was trying to hear the, the call again. If someone has better audio than me, but in real time, like, Reach and I both thought the Eller, or sorry, the Pugliarvi penalty, the ref announced number 20 for tripping. And it's Eller's stick that comes in and sweeps, I think it was Pettersson that drew the penalty. And Pugliarvi is the one that went to the box. And nobody disputed it. Yeah, I mean, does it matter? Uh, well, well, I it guess matters it's because, because of the penalty killer. Who won the faceoff at the start of the second period? Who got two clears? It's Lars Eller. And so for stuff like that, again, if, if someone has the audio and they can hear it cleanly, I could have sworn they said right. 20. And that to me is like, that's a big gap. And Reach was right next to me. He's like, they said 20. And we talked about it in the first intermission. Like, that to me is a huge gap. And if, if I'm wrong on that one, then. Hey, I'm wrong, but if, if you hear it, tag me in it or whatever it is on Twitter. Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure, like, they said 20, and Pugliarvi is the one that served the penalty. Hey, not a clean performance mm-hmm. by the officials, and that one certainly could have been There was a weird icing, there was a, or non-icing. There was, the, again, the Pedersen, uh, Marcus Pedersen took a hit in the back. Yeah. That he looked at the officials right away. It's like, really? Yeah. The, the, there was a lot. He was on um, a Harkins. Looked like he hit him in the head. Maybe got a, sh- a shoulder up in the head. He was cutting him off, and yeah. maybe he was just really tight. But it's like it kind of looked like one. But there was plenty throughout this game. Yeah, stuff was missed. There's no doubt about it. I, I don't think it was a clean game. But again, you're down two men. Probably shouldn't put a stick in somebody's face. Down a man, don't put put a stick in somebody's face. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. Let's go to the phone board six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. And uh, let's start things off in Delta, where we have Juggy on the line. Juggy, thanks for calling in. Uh, what, what do you have for us here tonight? Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Excellent. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, JT Miller, I mean, um, he's, you know, it's, it sucks we haven't been able to, you know, get more wins while he's been performing super well. But, you know, this is the usually the time of year where he really kicks it up a notch. And, um, you know, really happy to, to see him doing well. Um, and... I, w- I wanted to ask you guys about the power play with Philip Heronik, uh on it um, when he's on the ice. Um, and in general, like, he- he's got such a good shot. Is it, you know, the-, the penalty killers or just guys keying on his shot? Or is he just not using it enough? Um, and then, uh, you know, yesterday I was, I was listening to um, oh, the Canuck Central podcast and um, I know, Vic, uh, you were you were talking about obviously PD being in a position um, where, you know, does he feel like there's been enough incentive to win here, and you know, have they pulled out all the stops? And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like one of the things that that you were you were trying to say is if um, they should, you know, 
keep going all in and maybe go after uh, somebody that could play on his line, which which I don't, you know, uh, obviously disagree with. Um, as a fan, though, like, you know, are, are we really comfortable giving up more futures and, and other prospects? I, I mean, they've got a decent prospect pool, but they still got to, they still got to keep building on it. Right. Like it's, it's still not, you know, uh, where it probably needs to be. And, and they still have got those like two, um, you know, like Lecker Mackey and, and Willander that I don't know if we should, we should be trading those guys, but, um, what are your guys' thoughts in terms of, you know, and, and does that even guarantee that PD stays? But uh, yeah. Um, thanks so much for taking my call and uh, really excited to hear your thoughts. Hey, great stuff as always, Juggy. Appreciate you calling in. So the point I was making yesterday on Central is, like, we, we know it's not about term or, or money, right? Because the Canucks are ready to write whatever. Mm-hmm. I always just think back to the post-bubble playoffs and that, that off season, and they chose not to compete, right? I, I understand why. It's like pandemic-related finances, all that. But, like, a bunch of guys, right after they made some progress going into the playoffs – they let a bunch of guys walk and, you know, the out of time stuff and all that. We don't need to go down that road, but if you're a player and I say this a lot about star players, once you go to the playoffs, you do not want to go backwards, especially young star players. That to me is like, as an organization, like I, I, I've got a finite number of years to compete At, at my peak. It's maybe if I'm really lucky, no injuries, like 12 years at my peak and you're choosing to stop when I'm in year two, going into year three, and now we're putting a d- delay on my career for two years, and it goes wrong, and you have to like constantly work your way back into it. And I don't know if they've ever gotten to a stage where that top six looked the same as it did then. No, I, no, it doesn't. I mean, the guy that did they uh, miss from that time really is Toffoli. Yes. Like, honestly, the one I mean, we can talk about Tanev as well, of course, and there's talk about them trying to acquire him and everything, but Toffoli's the guy that if he was still there, maybe it's a different equation about how these things are, are fitting together. To the other point Juggy was making, he's, a, he's concerned about will the Canucks trade away too many assets mm-hmm. to go after another player, and they, you know, Willander and LaCaramacchi, do you really, really want to give those guys up? I don't think the Canucks are trading those guys unless they're getting a player who fits the age range and it will be here for a number of years. Like, I don't see them trading Willander for, for mm-hmm. Gensel and then he's gone at the end of the year. Like, I don't think that's happening. Mm-hmm. So if they're moving some bigger pieces like that, it would have to be for somebody who's going to stick stick around. And, yeah, and I think and that would mitigate some of your concern about making that type of move. Yeah, it's, they've tried. Like, they, they go and get Connor Garland, but he wasn't a t- fit in the top six. Yeah. Um. It's been that element where it's never really gotten back to that stage, and now you go trade a first for Lindholm, and he's playing on the third line. And and like, well, yeah, that I mean, was my yeah, concern. I think, but I don't think it's a fair way of saying he plays on a third line. He plays seventeen twenty five tonight. That's not third line minutes. But did you spend a first? Yeah, but to I, put him in that spot. Sh- I mean, if you're playing seventeen minutes in the playoffs and you're matching up, so what? What was one of our questions about this team? before the deadline, and we still have some time, was do they have a line that can match up in the postseason? Mm-hmm. 
And do we feel like JT's line would do that or Pedersen's? Like, I think Lindholm can do that at least. Now, we can talk about that a bit more on the other side. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We'll hear more from Canucks players, plus more of your phone calls as the Canucks Central postgame show continues, presented by Number 5 Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports, too. More coming up on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans, the People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Eric Carlson back in on the right wing, fires it around the end boards. Crosby meets it left wing, tips it back to Malkin, top of the near circle. Malkin into the high slot for Crosby, right side to the back door. Raquel scores! Pretty passing play from the Penguins on the power play, and Ricard Raquel's got his second of the game to tie it at two before the midway mark of the second period. And this is a beautiful feed by Sidney Crosby, who doesn't rush the play, gets the puck on the right-hand side, gets Thatcher Demko to commit to that side, and just plays a beautiful pass to Ricard Raquel, who's all by himself. Unfortunately for the Vancouver Canucks, their penalty killers could not change as the puck went into the neutral zone about 20 seconds, 30 seconds before that, and Sidney Crosby picks him apart as Raquel slams home his second of the game. A lot of reaction on our text inbox after the Canucks lose 4-3 in overtime against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange. We'll get to your phone calls coming up in a few seconds as well. But as you would imagine, a lot of stuff on Elias Pettersson. Um, you know, Jazzy says, I didn't think it was a bad game for Pettersson, quote-unquote. So now we're supposed to settle for not a bad game for the soon-to-be $12 million guy. I mean, who said anything about settling? It's like every single game no, is a referendum. Yeah, it's like it's like this. It's a referendum on Elias Patterson every single game. I get that's what I said, but people are texting in saying like, "Oh, it was a bad game." It's like, no, no, he didn't have a bad game. And again, describing the game and what happened in the game is just describing what happened in the game. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. A game script is a game script. Uh, okay, thank you for all the people that texted in, and we got more confirmation from people that were were on the broadcast team as well. The refs definitely called 20. So, like, that was a big mistake. Like, you saw Puyarvi go into the bed. Yeah. Go into the box. How do you not say, like, you're 18. Get out of there. Big miss by the by the rest. But this thank you for one. all the texts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, keep your th- texts coming in. Good stuff as always. Uh, let's continue on the phone boards. Let's take a couple phone calls here. I know people have been waiting patiently to get on. Uh, so let's go to Don and Bella Bella. Don, thanks for hanging in there. Uh, what do you have for us here tonight? Well, hey there. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, you know, uh, observing these Canucks every game, you know, or in first place and everything, that's just great. But uh, they're way too undisciplined. I don't know how these coaches have, you know, have to do what to do to fix this, but they better fix it going into the playoffs because – there's going to be a lot of three to two hockey games in the playoffs. And, you know, you lose momentum when you're shorthanded so much. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I have a question for you guys. Um, do you have a timeline for Susie and uh, Joshua's return? Thanks a lot. Hey, Don, always appreciate your phone calls. Thanks for calling in. So we don't have specific dates because they haven't set any dates. My so I would, based on some of the things that have been going on, my guess would be 
we could see both, if not one of those guys, on a three-game road trip. Will they actually play is another question. But I do think both guys will play either before the trade deadline or right after the trade deadline. Like I don't think it's one of those things where these guys are going to be out for another like two or three months. I, I think we're in the final stretch here where another week or two, and these guys will be back. Well, Susie's timeline would line up. I think we, when we did the math, it, it worked out to like March 7th. Yeah. Right? So that would be the end of this three-game road trip. Joshua, I feel like, would surprise me um, because it's been two weeks now. Now, he was week to week. Yeah. A, a, another week. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things that people have seen him skate and, and yeah. handle the puck a little bit. There's a difference between handling the puck, skating by yourself, and being able to work through contact and those things. But it's encouraging, and like the Certainly, coach mentioned, yeah. both Susie and Dakota have been able to skate while dealing with their injuries, which should make it easier for them to jump back in whenever they are ready. And remember, Susie, coming back from the first injury, like he stepped in right away and it was phenomenal yeah. right away. And, and maybe you want to be careful too and, and make sure that you, these guys are 100% before they come back, especially with the cushion the Canucks have built. I know you know you dropped the point and, and they played 500 hockey recently, but they have enough of a cushion that you don't have to rush anybody back. You have to make sure they're good and ready to go for the postseason. But to Don's uh, question uh, or, or, or statement about uh, being undisciplined, uh, so they now have the six most penalties in the league. Now Boston's also got the second most, but you know they they they, they go shorthanded quite a bit, and it can be an issue. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it's all preventable stuff. Be tough, I get it. Be aggressive, but you, you can't jam a stick when you're on the PK into a guy's face. No, you just can't. I, I know I've, I've I ranted about that a couple times. It, you're down a man. You've seen. Co- uh, officials give away, uh, give t- the opposition two-man advantages, you can't put a stick up. You just can't. It's as simple as that. Uh, we'll hear from Myers. We have some Canucks post-game audio coming up in a few moments. We'll get to that, too, uh, in a bit. William and Langley texts in and says, Canucks continue to be unconventionally undisciplined and taking unnecessary penalties. They need to urgently lean on, uh, learn how to strike a balance between being aggressive while maintaining discipline. Crosby, indeed, was great, as always, but the Canucks made their life a whole lot easier by gifting them incredible grade-A chances, William and Langley. And I don't dis- disagree about that. Uh, Gary from North Shore has been texting in a few times and saying, uh, Lindholm clearly isn't working. They have to trade him. Everyone has to chill out. Like, just relax. Yeah, like, I, 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 I'll be clear. Like, he's a very good player. And I'm not talking about you, but the, the people texting in about Lindholm and being like, he clearly doesn't work. What's the difference between him and, and Kuzmenko? At least Kuzmenko did this. Lindholm doing nothing. Big mistake. Everyone take a breath. Just, just chill. Just relax. Let's act like we, we've seen a good hockey team before. And let's also act like we understand that sometimes you make a big trade, it's not seamless right away. And the reason the Canucks got ahead of it to acquire Lindholm was to work through everything before they've the changed, playoffs. They've changed a lot. They have. Here in these 11 games. And the reason they did it early is to work through all this, get through the awkward phase, and hopefully he gets up to speed and he fits in with the team come the postseason when it really matters. Just gotta be, just gotta have patience, man. I know we've seen some bad hockey here over the it's years. Like Twelve games. I, I know it's yeah. been tough over the years, and mm-hmm. I know we're conditioned to almost wait for things to go awry. And maybe this. That's just, just everyone take a breath, give it some time. Your take might be different in two weeks. Just, just relax. Aaron Rodgers, R E L A X, that breaking out the Aaron Rodgers. And did. the other part about it is, he's not getting traded. They're not trading Lindholm. They just acquired him. They're not trading him. They're not. Okay? 
Thank you. That's my public service announcement for tonight. Yeah, but what do you think they could get to that? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> don't encourage. Don't encourage people. They're going to be texting all this stuff in the entire night. Um, <laughs> oh man, a, a lot of stuff here. We'll get to it coming up in a second. But let's take one more phone call. Uh, we have uh, Gary Maple Ridge has been waiting very long to get on, so let's get him on the phone boards here. Gary, thanks for calling in, and uh, what do, what are your thoughts here tonight? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank the producer for um, taking my annoying phone call. I'm just I'm just joking. No, um, I said something about Pedersen uh, last game uh, uh, or the game before. The, I think it was last game that, that he played well against Boston. He's very good when he has the puck. But when he hasn't got the puck, he can't. He's terrible at checking. He tries the reverse check once in a while, doesn't work. He's on his on his rear end a lot, uh, and he's asking for. Well, I've been hearing you your. Uh, uh, I, I listen to you guys from seven o'clock until six uh, six at night uh, some days, and he's asking that much money. No, if I, uh, I'm not saying that I would trade him, but he needs. If I was talking, I would sit him. And I know it's not a very good thing that we might need his scoring ability, but he needs to be sat down and told that you've got to check in your own end because when he's in his own end, he's stick-checking. You can't stick-check a guy. Uh, you can't stick-check Crosby. Are you joking? Uh, by the way, love your show. Thank you so much. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, that is Gary in Maple Ridge. Uh, calling in on Elias Pettersson. All right, uh, we'll get to more of your thoughts on the text inbox, but we wanted to get some post-game audio. So we talked about Tyler Myers. He was he was honest a while back after the game spoke about the officials and said we were fighting two teams. That was a Jets game, I believe it was. And ever since then, the Canucks have not been getting the calls, which begs the question, should you maybe not go after the officials in public? And, and maybe that costs you, who knows, whatever, right? But took a high-sticking penalty tonight, put the Canucks down two men, Pittsburgh scores, and here is Tyler Myers post-game talking about the game and what went wrong for the Canucks after having a lead in the third. Yeah, I didn't like the way we came out in the second. Um, first 10, 12 minutes, I thought you know, it was a good opportunity for us to really step on them, and we gave them life. Uh, you know, we were throwing a lot of pucks in the middle, a lot of turnovers. We weren't getting pucks deep. And we have to realize and we have to mature as a group that that's when we're at our best. Um, we have some guys that can really skate. And when we don't get pucks uh, down low, it, it doesn't allow them to do that. So um, we got to grow as a group. We gave, uh, you know, I felt like we gave them a point tonight, an extra point. And uh, just got to come together, talk about it, and uh, keep getting better. You guys, were so you guys were so good throughout probably pre-All-Star break in terms of defending leads going into the third period. What would you think of your third tonight? Uh, it's hard It's hard to dissect it right now. Um, but obviously, you know, it doesn't feel good to give up a lead in the third. Um, but, you know, we had a chance to take two points going into OT. Uh, I thought they controlled OT uh, for the most part. And... Um, you know, looking back, I, you know, the second period really sticks out. You know, I just, we we got to, you know, we have to build and mature as a group to, to be better in those situations. Where does that 
All of us, uh, I think, talking about it. Um, you know, I thought the whole group did a great job of responding uh, coming into the Boston game. And, you know, a lot of that was discussing things uh, leading up to it uh, in the days in between. And we'll do the same, I'm sure, uh, you know, just like we've done all year. And uh, just keep working. How did you see your penalty? It looked like you were just kind of standard ground. Yeah, I put my stick up and... You know, I think it was a little high, but I think his stick ultimately was the thing that hit him. Um, I, I don't really have any thoughts about it. Tyler Myers, postgame, uh, saying, I think it was ultimately the Raquel stick, he's saying, that hit him. I'm not sure. I, his his stick makes contact. Like, part of his stick makes contact with the face. You know what? I have no comment on Tyler Myers. No comment. <laughs> no comment. We're no commenting on Tyler Myers. But I do think he made a good point about the third period, especially where they, they kind of stopped skating a little mm-hmm. bit. And maybe it was taking your foot off the gas, feeling like you're in control, you're going to handle this. And then, you know, the pens were played even more desperate hockey in the third and essentially just kind of, I wouldn't say took over the game because I never felt the pens were coming in waves or dominating the Canucks or anything. But territorially, they started tilting it in their favor it was, more. It was their best period, yeah. right? The, the Penguins, uh, the, their third period was the best. Um, you just go through the, the shot metrics here. The first period, 27-15 in favor of the Canucks. 2018, this is all strengths, 2018 in the second period, and then it's 21-18 in the third. So uh, certainly that lends itself to uh, Vancouver's favor through the first 40, but Pittsburgh in the end. And, yeah, like as we mentioned, you know, the, the Canucks started well and maybe slid a bit, and the Penguins grew into the game. And there you go. And, you know, he, he mentioned the same thing Rick Tockett did of – pucks in deep and that they got to mature a little bit as a group uh that's the thing that stands out is is the not that like pittsburgh knocked for the opportunity it's almost as if vancouver opened the door for them and rolled out the red carpet for him at times yeah i think the connects made it far too easy in the third which was disappointing because of how well i thought they played for the yeah. first 40 minutes all right well, it's time to welcome in the man we call the triple threat and close this thing out you watch him on tv you read him on digital, and you're about to hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. I wonder if this is his voice has recovered too. Let's find out. Vic, my voice is still deep. No, you're forcing it. No, I'm not. No, this is my, my voice. His voice is now this. This is now this, who he is. I am made for radio. I'm, so, I, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't hear you on TV. I was... I was working, but you were on TV, obviously, and I didn't hear your voice then. <laughs> I was on TV. I just let Sat talk. Yeah. And I don't sing on TV. I save that for radio. The late night crowd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the karaoke crowd that's had a couple. Like, All right. uh, the karaoke crowd. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, um, it would have been a different, I think, feel for this one if the Canucks didn't have the third period they had. Because I, I heard the coach's comments. He said he wasn't happy with how they played, right? And uh, Myers didn't like how they played. And I thought for the first 40 minutes, like, they were in complete control of this game until they started coughing up the lead. Yeah. Well, having listened to those guys, you know that they didn't like their second period. Uh, at times, and I never thought I would say this, I think they're hard on themselves. Like, if if you look at the Pittsburgh goals, okay, Bluger makes a mistake. Mm-hmm. 
on the first one. Seconds, another five on three, and a bad penalty by Myers. Uh, third one, Demko doesn't have his goal stick, and Eller is shrewd enough to shoot it there and scores. And then the uh, the overtime goal was a series of errors, just sort of a catastrophe. But these things happen at, at, at three on three. I didn't think they did a ton wrong, like mm-hmm. other than the mistakes that led led to those goals. And I guess there's mistakes on, on every goal, but man, sometimes it's like they could use Stuart Smalley on the fourth line just to say, hey guys, we're okay, we're, we're okay. good enough, and doggone it, people like us. <laughs> because they are hard on themselves. But I'll, I, I will also say this, it's far better to have that problem than to be too soft on yourself yes. and accept losing. Sure. And we've seen far too much losing. So these new standards, this relentless accountability is actually a good thing, even if, I mean, it's kind of wearing me down some <laughs> nights. I don't know how it is for them. But, uh, man, yeah, they expect a lot of themselves. They're still, and part of the reason I say that, the whole conference is scuffling right now. So I don't know if this is re- ref- a reflection of the dog days of an NHL winter mm-hmm. where teams are just beat like i know they all had a break at the all-star game but they played a lot of hockey you know the trade deadline's coming up the playoffs still seem like until until you get past the trade deadline the playoffs are still just look over the horizon the canucks are still they still lead their division by 10 they lead the pacific division by 10 points yeah and you know i think edmonton's a game over 500 in the last 10 vegas and and Colorado were both a game under. Dallas is mm-hmm. is scuffling. So, you know, it's 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 not great when they leave points on the table. And clearly tonight, you're up two nothing. I don't I don't care who what the circumstances are. You should be able to come out with a win once you've built a two goal lead at home. Um, but man, they I just think that they. I don't know what I think. <laughs> Shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. Yeah, but e- even that, like, I, yes, they did. But I still, uh, on the whole, I don't think they played that badly. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought know, they, th- they didn't play as well as they wanted to. Yeah. But they should have played. They played well enough to win. Let's Be- because the way. opening 20, they carried over essentially what they did in Boston. And then that, that relentlessness, right. it, but it, then, it's, it's hard to sustain. Right, but then why did it just yeah. go away? And that's what they're asking themselves, yeah. right? Because they, they want to continue it. And I made that point in my mm-hmm. story. Great minds, Bink. Yeah. Great minds. I thought you were going to say you made it on TV you know because you're on TV. Well, that too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But, uh, I, but I, I couldn't compete with the powder blue <laughs> tie yeah, the, 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 sat tonight. That's the, the orange from Earth. A, was, col- was a color yeah. found in nature. <laughs> as long as you were swimming underwater at the Great Barrier Reef. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, nice coral color. Before we killed it yeah, with yes. our treatment of the Killing environment. It, right. You know, oil tank spill here and there, you know, things, things oh, happen. No, no, yeah. just carbon. Oh, that too. Carbon. Or that. Yes. <laughs> I, or either that. way. That's kind of the bigger one. <laughs> yeah, it might be. might be slightly bigger. Um, Although the Exxon Valdez was not good. No, <laughs> definitely wasn't. Definitely wasn't. It's felt like the Exxon Valdez around the Canucks in recent years, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Or the BP oil, oil rig. Deepwater Horizon. Deepwater Horizon. Deep Great Horizon. movie, by the way. Um, okay, but y- my biggest disappointment, I would say, was in the third, 
they didn't match, and I wouldn't again. Like it's it's somewhat nitpicking because we well, both of us kind of finished after the game. We're like they didn't play. They should have won this game. You know, they didn't come away and be like, oh, what a horrible performance. But Pittsburgh got some extra life and juice in the third. The Canucks didn't match that desperation, and it was their worst period of, of the game. It wasn't bad, but I thought as Pittsburgh grew into it and really pushed late, the Canucks couldn't match that desperation. And I think that also goes back to something the coach has spoken about. We're going to play some desperate teams. We have to be able to have our intensity level match those situations. And that's my biggest criticism of the third period. Yeah, I I, I can see that. But again, I think the goal was not a fluke because Eller took it well. But other than other than that, like what really were the Canucks giving up? What were they surrendering? Was, was Demko being overrun? Was he making, yeah. having to make the five five-star saves and no no i mean julson's struggling on the play because he just does this yes i mean so you know they're they're down half a man because julson just took one in the kidneys uh and demko has no stick because of uh kerfuffle in front between cole and malkin i think it was and and Demko's stick was collateral damage, and then he didn't retrieve it. It was right by the post, and I get it. Like, you know, the puck never left the zone, so he's not going to go for a little walkabout. But it was, like, as much bad luck as it was bad play, and I just didn't see them really giving up a whole lot else. I mean, to your point, Sad, I'd say after it's 3-3 and they're at home and they've now given the lead away twice, 2 nothing and 3-2, maybe the last 10 minutes you'd like to see mm-hmm. more urgency and more push but you know it it wasn't there and they they got a point they still in the top of the nhl in points but not winning percentage i think they're fifth but it's all very close you yeah know, you win one or win two or lose two and it makes a big difference on the points percentage and they're still comfortably in front in their division and They've made it to the end at the most torturous, uh, arduous, tiring, debilitating stretch of their schedule. Mm-hmm. JC Miller got singled out by the coach. Uh, and, yeah, and, and, he and the fans. And yes, the fans. and the fans uh, serenading JT uh, in a bit. And you know, we talk about guys you know, ramping it up and you're getting ready for that run to the, the end of the season, but he's kind of already started uh, his, his race to the end of the season as well. Yeah, and, and but he's been playing at this level for a few mm-hmm. games now. It's just the rest of the team has not. And on Saturday, the rest of the team more or less came up to his level, and we saw how good they could be. I mean, it was only an overtime win, and they had to fight for it the whole way because they were down by two. But we all recognize, as do the Boston Bruins, that the Canucks were better throughout. Um, and you know, it's it's great it's great for JT, but they need. They need more guys. And I just keep wishing that talk would tell us the names. Like, who looks Let's tired? Like who looks tired to you? And who, you know, I, could, I mean, we could do that, but we're going to get some wrong. And then it's unfair to the guys that we're guessing and is, you know, talk it has no problem with them. But I, I can throw one by you. And uh, I don't think it's guessing. I think it's, you know, we were talking about this too. I think Ian Cole has been a tremendous addition to this team. He's been great defensively, physical, great leader. But he's also, what, 36 years old? And 35, for his, I think. 35. For his standards, playing a lot of minutes. He looks like he, through the toughest st- stretch here, his game has diminished a little bit, which I think 
goes back to show us that when they gave him the maintenance day, they may, may have been onto something. When talk had to talk him into taking a day off in New York over that road trip and saying, hey, just take the day. I think you're seeing him over the rigors of the season. He kind of maybe showing his age slightly a little bit. That's the one guy that stood out to me on the back end a little bit, the last last little bit. It's not quite at the level we saw earlier this season. Yeah. Well, and I'll give you another, and I'm not trying to start a thing here, but if you're looking <laughs> at their top two players, look at how Miller has played and how Pedersen has, mm-hmm. has played. And there's no it's no contest. And, well, you mentioned even like the third goal, and those guys were out there on the third goal. It was uh, yeah. Pedersen with Mikheyev and yeah, with Hoaglander. Again, on the third goal, I'm not I'm not hanging that on them. It was it was complicated because Eller is coming off the bench, and you know it's always tough when you're defending in zone and the guy's coming off the bench at top speed to join the fray. It, it's you know you get it, they're pros; mm-hmm. they should pick him up, but that's tough. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a complicated situation. Um, yeah, I I think Pedersen can be better. We know that Lind- Lindholm can be better. Lindholm, it's been a struggle to transition. Well, that's, you know, with Besser, those are their four best forwards. Uh, we know that Connor Garland's not the same player without Dakota Joshua, but he still works his ass off every every night. And and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Tockett singled him out either on Saturday or after practice on Sunday about Garland and how well he had done in helping Lindholm on that third line. So there's there's a few guys. I think I think the the Zadorov Juleson pairing has not been as as good. And I think mm-hmm. Juleson himself hasn't been as good. It it would have been nice had they actually had their seven defensemen if Susie had been healthy during March or sorry February the schedule. Uh, March is going to get a lot better. Doesn't mean that the results though. Like I'm still yeah. a- apprehensive. That's a talk for another day. But a nine-game home stand spread over, I think, 24 days. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's almost too long, and it's too much time off domestically around here. To the know. weather's changing. It's nice. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, I, I I digress. I think it would have been nice for them in February to have that extra body and have that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you sit out Cole. A game somewhere. Right. Maybe you give Juleson a reset. You take him out for two games, let him work mm-hmm. with the coaching staff. He resets because you know we forget how little he's played in the NHL since his first year in Montreal yeah. until until this year. Um, and you know, are other guys being asked to do a little too much? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think even Quinn hasn't been at the same level. Uh, he's been very good in some games, and he hasn't been. I don't think he's. I can't remember any game he's been terrible. But although nobody was really good in Seattle, that's the only game but, where. But he's was he's bad. been good a lot of nights when we're used to him being a superstar. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's unrealistic to expect mm-hmm. that he can be that superstar every game. So I I think there's I think there's a bunch of guys, but I do think. Talkit is often referring to the players at the top of his, top of his lineup when he's talking about needing yeah. more from guys. Well, and, you know, as far as Lindholm is concerned, and we talked about this during the intermission as well, if you want to run these three you guys... on television? On, on television, yes. If you want to run these three guys separately... Hey, Pick, I, Pick I, what do you do in the intermissions, by the way? I, I was on TV last Monday. Really? Yeah, I was, I was, I was hosting with him. So I'm also on TV now, Seth, or uh, Ian. Last Monday, what was... Was it last Monday or this Monday? The nineteenth, the what Minnesota happened? game. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
Anyways, I'm I'm hosting the radio intermission. He's done it. He was on TV pregame. He knows. He knows. You know. But I think if you want, I don't have the the luxury and the privilege and the pleasure of listening to you on radio because I'm always He's working in another medium. There can't do go. both. Like Bick can watch yeah. us, but he can't That's listen to us. It's a little more us. prestigious and yeah. typically higher paying. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get get nice a, get nice clothes. Yeah, it's a sliding scale. I'm yeah. here in a hoodie. You, you should see up. how Sat gets mobbed for autographs. I've, we, I've walked walk the concourse with Sat. I wouldn't say that far. It's like anyways to run security for him. Sat was saying while you guys were on TV. If you want to have these three guys play the middle, you're short a winger, I think. Like, if you want to keep these guys, yeah, you I, know. I don't care. I don't care. Play them in the middle and figure out your wingers. Uh, I, I really think that if if you're going to maximize Lindholm, you have to play him at center. If you're going to maximize Pedersen, you have to mm-hmm. play him at center. So if you want to try Miller, who's played more wing than anybody, although he's been a center since Talkett got He's been here. really good. Yeah, he's the guy Talkett tr- trusted trade, most. Which is over a year ago now. Yeah. Uh, you can play him on the wing, but otherwise, those three guys need to be at center. And I shouldn't dismiss your your point about they don't have enough wingers, but then they got to go out and get another because I think yeah, that's, that's the better thing to do yeah. than to move one of them mm-hmm. back. And Talkett made the point this morning, and it's fair. And and let's remember how much this organization is imbued with the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, mm-hmm. model. And he said this morning that, uh, you know, they're one Stanley Cups and and Sid Crosby would play with, you know, four or five different wingers, and he named them. I can't remember who they all are. I mean, some are good, but some are, you know, Pittsburgh was that organization where uh, viewing them from afar, halfway through a season, you'd look at their lineup mm-hmm. and they'd have – some guy you've never heard of who's got 17 goals and 35 points, and you've never heard of him. Um, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's because they they groomed him in the minors to play their system mm-hmm. and plugged him in at the NHL level. And by the way, they gave him Sid Crosby or or Genie Gino Malkin. I said Genie G- Gino, Gino Malkin Gino. to to play with, and those guys they do well, and we're, we've seen that. Like Nils Hoglander is not a first line player, but he's he's doing a great job as a complimentary player uh, on that line. Pew Suter is kind of the same thing, different different story because he came from Detroit. They didn't groom him and just plug right. him in, but he's he's able to play up the lineup as as a winger. Do they have enough? I agree with you. I'd like to see them go and get another winger to to play, but I'm not. I'm going to try and keep these four centers as my centers as long as possible. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. It's just one of those things, if they want to do that, they're probably going to add a winger, I think, by the deadline. But Phil we can Kessel, talk about right? that. They'll talk to some. They'll get somebody, I'm sure. We'll talk about this more yeah, as the show's going on. They don't have their pairings, right? Like, yeah, they, the they've duos. Had from the yeah. t- from the start of the season, well, start of training camp, really, they've had these these duos, and that right now, they don't. You know, Dakota Joshua coming back, that'll help a lot. It's amazing how much they've missed him. It also, to me, emphasizes how much they need to try to get this guy back next year. You know, one of the among the sea of UFAs that they they have. Hopefully they bring him to shore, but yeah, they could probably go out and well, I'm, I think that's what they're looking for. A, a depth defenseman, a guy at the, for the bottom of the defense, 
and a good forward, good winger to play in the top six. Yeah, and not named Phil Kessel, but different conversation for a different day. No, he, <laughs> yeah. Their mistake, uh, well, we'll see. We'll I, see. I, I, I was going to say they're mistaken if they think Phil Kessel can play in the top six now based on what he did last year, based on his inactivity. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Who yeah. Knows? We'll see exactly how, how it unfolds, maybe as depth. But we'll have plenty of time over the next little bit to talk about it. The trade deadline's 10 days away. The next Canucks game is only 48 hours away. The Canucks hosting the LA Kings. And, Ian, we look forward to chatting with you then. Well, I'll try and preserve my voice yeah. until Thursday. Well, make sure you keep it as deep. Now that you mm-hmm. know people have heard this side of you, they want more of this side of you. So you have a to lot of deliver. attention for singing the other night. Yeah. I mean, people are still, they're asking, they're still sending in demands mm-hmm. and yeah. requests. So maybe you have to acquiesce next time. Maybe. 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 <laughs> it just feels inappropriate to sing after a loss. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's not a celebratory. Yeah. Hopefully they beat the LA Kings. Although it could be blues. <laughs> if they play St. Louis, that'd be a really good one. All right, Ian, we got to run. Great stuff as always. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca, which should be up very, very shortly. He's Bick Nazar, back on the People Show tomorrow, 3 to 4. I'm Satyar Shaw, back with Dan Richo, 46 at Canucks Central. Thanks to Cam Barra, Fast Eddie Gregory, back at the station. All of you for listening and texting into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. And for those calling in on our dispatch heating and plumbing phone hotline as well. This has been the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.